everyone, and welcome back to another episode of NYY Takes, a Pinstripe Perspective podcast. Been a while since I was on the pod, about three weeks now, but I am thrilled to be back, joined by Matt and Les. So I have a question to ask Yankees fans. Are we happy today? Yes. Are the Yankees under 500? The Yankees are at 500. Exactly. So technically, you're not allowed to be happy yet. Well, can I be happy because the season's almost over? Sure. But as we know, the contingent or the the thing that we promised was that you would be thrilled if it were sub-500. That's true. I think as as we've gotten closer to the end of the season, I've become more nostalgic about the winning season streak yeah. to the point where I will now be a little sad if they do lose that. You think there's been enough, like— things here are not going well like there's enough maybe self-reflection happening to where even if they do finish a game above 500 it's still okay yes i i think enough has happened and i also just i really want the red Sox to finish last i can't get over that even as much as i did say on previous episodes that i wanted them to completely collapse finish under 500 finish in last it's just too gratifying to see the red Sox at the bottom so I'm okay with them. I think I think my answer is was yes to begin with. And as I consider it more, the answer is yes, because I think they're right where I want them to be. The season went badly enough that they're going to have to make changes. Les, are you happy today? I don't know how I feel about this team. You know, I'm, I, I think I'm just sad, really. I'm sad that the way things went this season. I, I'm sad that we were robbed of you know, the, the Haley's Comet that was Jason Dominguez. You know, I think I'm just I'm just disappointed because there was there was such good vibes around the team for that short period of time. Like they became watchable again. They became fun. They became enjoyable again. And then just it was that was here and gone, just like Haley's Comet. And so I guess we have to wait nine to ten months to see the Martian again. And, you know, hopefully uh, he heals quickly and have some productive at bats at some point next season for them. Yeah, it did feel like kind of the start of a new mini season with that Houston series sweep. And you're like, okay, this season's probably over from a playoffs standpoint. But Dominguez is up. Austin Wells is up. We just swept the Astros. It's kind of fun. You can hold on to the delusion for as long as you want. And then kind of the second the news breaks that Jason Dominguez required Tommy John surgery, it's like, oh, right. Right back to reality of where the season was, which was just sad. Yeah, it it really was like it just sucked the air out of the room. Like we were all just so happy and so excited just to see see the potential and see where this could possibly go. And then you're right. We all we all saw the tweets coming and that we exchanged text messages on our group thread about Jason Dominguez's uh, elbow needing surgery. And then it's just you're right. It was just it sucked the air out of the room. So I haven't been uh, I haven't done a pod since august 24th almost a month ago and i know you three or you two and cam were on talking bidding farewell to josh donaldson in our latest episode but my mind around mid-august when the season was effectively over was i was really excited for football season i'm a big jets fan and i had bought tickets to that monday night football opener a long long time ago so i was really really holding on to how fun that was going to be the yankee season was just so, so, so disappointing. I look forward to going to Yankees playoffs games every single year, and I look at them as a given. 
And when that was kind of taken away, I was like, oh, you know, for the first time in my life, thank God I have the Jets. Uh, and then I sit down in my seat at MetLife Stadium and Aaron Rodgers doesn't even complete a pass as a New York Jet. So in that moment, it's like probably the most rock bottom uh, as a sports fan, probably the most rock bottom it's been. Because as you see, I'm wearing my, my Brooklyn Nets hoodie as well. So I've had the uh, I've, I've lived through the, the KD Kyrie team debacle, the Yankees season coming spiraling down. And now Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles and Zach Wilson is still my quarterback. Sports are stupid. I don't think the Nets will be bad. Uh, do you equate fun with good? No, not necessarily. I just I don't think that they're not going to be boring bad. They're going to be fun bad. Yeah. Is that that feels kind of tongue in cheek. As long as they're watchable. I mean, look, I, it's hard to like you can't really uh, make me feel any type of way about the Nets as a Nets fan. I'll be the first to tell you how much of a joke of an organization it is, but I do love them. Not a not a ton to be uh, totally thrilled about in in my sports life, but less at least you have the birds going for you. And Matt, if you want to say you have the Giants going for you, we can do that too. I don't I don't think I want to say that. I do. I am more, I am more excited for a basketball season right now than I've been in a very long time. I actually think the Knicks are going to be really good. They're going to be really fun. I think they're going to take another step forward. And the Easts were super wide open. So I have very high hopes about basketball season this year. Dante DiVincenzo going to lead them to the promised land. Exactly. You take a rotation that was already pretty good and you replace Obi Toppin with Dante DiVincenzo. It's hard not to be excited about that. I'm excited well, about football season. <laughs> I feel like you've been in Yeah, it's it's not even like good. fair being an Eagles fan right now. Things are just happening. good things are just happening. So back to the meat the meat of our podcast, you know, there is, you know, if we if we want to just do a spin-off NFL NBA podcast, you know, we can we can just do it if we want. Cuz it's do it. I feel like we could just riff here for 35 minutes, talk about the NFL and just move on. But unfortunately, we have to talk about the Yankees cuz this is a Yankees podcast. So, We've effectively gathered here tonight to there's not much to talk about on a game by game, series by series basis, but we're going to go through our don't want to call them ups and downs, but because the season has ended way earlier than expected, we're usually doing this sometime mid-October. We're now doing it mid-September. We're going to talk about one thing that we're kind of dreading going into next year that gives us some unease, a little pit in your stomach maybe going into next year, but then one thing that's kind of, you know, your beacon of hope what you're looking forward to going to next year that makes you a little excited. And with this team right now, that might be a little difficult. We'll try to get there. So Les, how about you start us off? What are you, I'll let you choose if you want to start with the thing that you're dreading or the thing that you just, you just can't wait for. I'm going to start with what I'm positive about for next season. I'm really excited about second year, Anthony Volpe. You know, I, I know, unfortunately, a lot of the weight was put on his his shoulders this season. Um, the average isn't there. He has he's a 2020 guy. He's turned in pretty decent defensive season. But I'm really excited to see what adjustments he makes as he moves into year two of his career next season. Like I'm really of the young players that they have this season. I think Anthony Volpe is that guy for me next year that I'm really I'm excited to see what he does in the offseason how he looks coming into spring training and, you know, just becoming a more well-rounded hitter. I think that's that's not so much the home runs because I think he's he might top off at like a 20, 25 home run guy, but just making better contact, having better at-bats, and just moving up to a, a higher place in the lineup and just being more productive next year. So that's what I'm looking forward to. 
I really like that because it, and beyond just his results is he's like 22 years old and there were so many points in this season where he, probably for like the first time that I can remember where like I'm watching sports I'm like oh that's a child out there so what I'm excited for is to see kind of how he matures into like a, a confident major leaguer and now you know not like this new thing where everything is so cool to him he's now the shortstop of the Yankees living out his childhood dream I'm kind of I'm really intrigued to see how you know maybe he turns this into a leadership role at a young age um, because I think he has the makeup to be capable of that and, and you kind of saw that grow throughout the year especially in the way he was taking his at-bats there's a lot more patience he didn't seem so worked up all the time so yeah I, I, I really I think that's a that's a great one and I'm not just I think his makeup like worth looking forward to as well as his results he just needs yeah, to learn how to hit high fastballs and everything will be okay he does need to learn how to hit high fastballs you're right though like his makeup is is very positive he doesn't seem to get too down when things are frustrating like he seems to be like that kind of guy at the plate that does turn the corner pretty quickly you know obviously during the course of his 22 year old rookie season I'm sure he pressed quite a bit but he he had a really good season. I, I'm that's what I'm looking forward to. Just exhibiting more patience at the plate, bringing that batting average up 40, 50 points. Maybe having a better better season next year. And you know, like the outlook, I I really like everything about his demeanor on the field. Couldn't agree more. What about what you're dreading? My dread is that I'm going to wake up next year. We're gonna have the spring training conversation, and Aaron Boone is still gonna be in the dugout. <laughs> That's that's gonna be my dread, you know, uh, because I well I don't want to live that nightmare, you know. Like there was well, an interesting Don Matt, sorry, real quick, there was an interesting Don Mattingly article say in that with uh, Bob Clappish, yeah. and they talked about the culture of the organization and how the manager sets the culture for the team. And then I remember that we talked during the course of the season at various points about how poorly the Yankees played fundamentally. You know, Glaber is an absolute head case on the bases. He's not the most fundamentally sound second baseman. I love him as a hitter. When he's in the plate, there's not many people I want to see swing the bat besides Glaber Torres. But after he gets on base, it's it's a circus. And, you know, that can't be the case. And the fact that there seems to be so much poor communication between the outfielders on fly balls... It just seems like they they need to be a tighter ship. And if the manager is setting the tone for the organization, Aaron Boone is the wrong guy to set the tone. I think all uh, very fair concerns. Uh, it's, at this point, feels like a given that Boone is going to be back. So every right to be, dread, to be dreading that, if that's something you dread. I will say, and not to say this makes him a good manager, but there have now been a ton of articles coming out about how basically the players defending Boone of course. And loving his style of managing and how he's player first. But that's great. It doesn't necessarily make you a good manager, which I think is something that even players can get wrong, right? It's like, obviously, the players are going to think a great manager is someone who looks out for them, has their best interests in mind, and is really good at connecting with them. But at some point, it's, okay, this needs to translate into sustained success in the postseason and winning a, winning a World Series. Uh, so I think next year is going to be a big season for getting to the part of winning and being like, okay, let's see Boone have all his players like him, but also let's see him, you know, get past the ALCS for once in this window. 
But that's well, probably asking way too much going into next year. Of course, players players don't want a, a manager that's going to call them out in the press conferences like that. That doesn't usually go over well in the clubhouse. So, Aaron Boone, like we talked about, that toxic positivity, like it's it's always yeah. sunny in Aaron Boone's office. So, mm-hmm. you know, at some point. You do have to say, you know, Glaber made some bonehead plays. We've got to talk to him about that. He's got to get things buttoned up. Like, you have to acknowledge some of these things that happen on the field. I, I don't mean to pick on Glaber, but that's the most glaring example over the last couple of seasons. But I just I just don't think he's the right guy for the job. And, you know, unfortunately, he may very well be the right, the be managing the team next season. Yeah, I think that's the most likely outcome. Two very good answers, I got to say. Great way to start us off. Uh, I guess I can go next. Of course. So, so when the thing I'm looking forward to the most, and this might be an obvious one at this point, uh, but it's Michael King, because I was so sure to at least some degree that when King had to get his elbow surgery, that there was a chance that was kind of the end of that dominant Michael King that we knew of that made that kind of burst on the scene in that Toronto series, but was so, so good out of the bullpen. And you have this this hope of a, of a dominant bullpen force. And then obviously needs to get elbow surgery, comes back, and you're kind of not really sure what to expect. And then the Yankees struggle, and they're like, hey, let's let's give Michael King a chance as a starting pitcher. So in his last six starts, he's racked up 28 and a third innings. He's a 1.27 ERA with a .72 FIP and a 2.3 X FIP. His K per nine is above 13. And he has kind of proven himself as someone that can and probably will be a starter in this rotation heading into the 2024 season. And that, to me, is something that's super exciting because the big, one of the biggest issues the Yankees had at the beginning of this year and the reason they got out of the gate so poorly, or at least after they had that three-week stretch of winning two out of three and then things just sputtered out of control alongside the judge injury, was their pitching was so bad. It was It was a bunch of names that no one even heard of when going into the season. We were relying on... Carlos Rodon, Luis Severino, Nestor Cortez, guys like Frankie Montas. So to have him in there uh, alongside Cole and a healthy Rodon uh, and hopefully a healthier Nestor, I know we get excited about a pitching rotation every year, but I think that's a really optimistic place to start is figuring out this rotation. And thank God Michael King has been so dominant and will be a part of it. Oh, excellent point. Michael King has been a uh, a really exciting part of the second half of the season too. Like when they put him in the put him in the rotation, like he's been a lot of fun to watch. And obviously, like you said, the way the the rotation has been both inconsistent and crumbling, it's good to find somebody besides Garrett Cole to be excited about watching on a weekly basis. Yeah, I could do my dread unless Matt had any uh, flowers he wanted to give Michael King. I'll I, I will give Michael King all the flowers. I mean that the, his 13K performance the other night was easily one of the most fun things that's happened this season. I would say just a phenomenal performance, and it's cool because he's a guy that came up as a starter and was sort of transitioned into a bullpen role because he wasn't a terribly successful starter, but he's showing he has starters chops. He has a starters arsenal for sure. So I think it's always fun when you know we see a lot we see it go the other way a lot. A really good, you know, prospect fails as a starter, becomes a reliever, and succeeds as a reliever. But seeing it go the other way is a lot is a lot more fun and a lot rarer, I think. So it, it will be fun. Yeah. I will be interested to see. I think I don't know that it's necessarily a foregone conclusion that Michael King's in the rotation come next season, but he'll he'll be given the chance to earn that 
and I'm hoping he succeeds. Yeah, I mean, the strikeout numbers are insane. Uh, so last three starts, it was five innings against Milwaukee, struck out nine. Four and two-thirds against Boston, struck out eight. And then most recently, seven innings against Toronto, struck out 13, like you were mentioning. So the strikeout numbers have ballooned, and it's like he's found this great combination between going having length and being able to still strike guys out like he was when he was a reliever. So my dread... Uh, my my the thing I'm dreading is the potential end of Giancarlo Stanton's career to a certain degree, and it's not just because he's got this like big huge contract, and that the Yankees are kind of stuck to him for however many years. It's more that. He's been a part of kind of this window for the Yankees for so long. He was the big signing going into 2018. And there were moments where he carried the Yankees offensively, both in the regular season, especially in 2018 when Judge got hurt and broke his hand. And then in pretty much every single postseason since then, he has had an impact. So for someone who we know is like a very hard worker, has never had any off-field problems, always says the right things to the media. The fact that he's next year is kind of the tipping point for him where it's like, is this just going to be, how close is he to just being to like Chris Davis land? Just someone who has a ton of money and is just so lost and might just exit the league. Because his numbers this year are bad and his numbers recently are bad and he does not really look like a hitter. At the plate, like 80% of the time, he just he's clearly guessing and just trying to square up a ball. And yes, he runs into a few, but it's not sustainable. So I don't think the Yankees are necessarily going to do something or even be able to do something about him in the offseason. But I don't know how much I don't think you can do another year of Stanton being like this. And I don't really see a ton of room for improvement for him. So I guess the thing that really kind of has my stomach turning is how bad is this Stanton situation really going to get in, in 2024? And then I guess, how are the Yankees going to deal with it? No, that's an excellent point. You don't, you don't develop a better eye when you're at, at this stage of your career. And you know, the way that he misses, you're right. He's up there just clearly guessing and hoping he, he runs into a fastball. Like his at-bats most of the time are not competitive. Like, I don't know where he has it in relation to hitting 200 right now, but it's really sad to watch, you know, just how how quickly it went south for him, too. So, as you see my son kind of flailing about, like he's swinging at, uh, like he's Giancarlo <laughs> Stanton swinging at a fastball right now. Derek has joined the show. <laughs> no, it, it is sad to see. I did see it in a recent interview, though, that he is open to change. So maybe he will work on some things in the in the offseason to kind of, open his stance a little bit more because being that closed off doesn't really help him at all. It hasn't led to much success at the plate. Obviously this year, just an abysmal season for him at the plate. Yeah. Like you would, his stance is so wacky. You would think he would like do have some sort of adjustment. I mean, it clearly doesn't work very well. He's off balance, off balance. Every time he swings, looks like he's like about to fall over. I don't know. Hopefully he changes anything. Matt, anything on Giancarlo Stanton before you get into your hope and dread, I guess, is what we call this? I'm still, I'm not yet prepared to say anything bad about Giancarlo Stanton. Maybe I'll get there if he has another stinker of a season. But for now, 
I'm not I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Well, you to, can to... worry about him. You can be concerned about his career. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. Fair I can't enough. face that yet. I'm not. I'm. I'm not in that headspace yet. Yeah, I. I am optimistic that Stanton will turn into a late career Nelson Cruz and figure out how to make it wow. work. That'd be great. Fine by me if you can pull that off. Yeah, we'll see. I'll let's let's say I'll I'll commit now to returning to this point. Let's say May 1st of next year. Let's see how April goes. And then I'll be ready to either to say something either one way or the other. I'll commit to that. Fair enough. So is it my turn? It would be your turn. The floor is yours. Okay. So I have a I have two I have two hopes. And the first one revolves around the old standby for the Yankees, which is the bullpen, which is no matter kind of it's, it seems like no matter what else is happening, no matter what else is going well or going poorly, the Yankees have figured out the formula for how to churn out great relievers. And while Michael King may be making the jump from the bullpen to the rotation, there is plenty, plenty of other talent in there to help fill the gap. And I just talked about how it's fun when a great reliever becomes a great starter. Uh, I also think in a different way, it's fun when the reverse happens, which is a lot more common. So I want to point to Johnny Brito here, a player who I noted earlier in the season was a player with a high floor, and then he flunked as a starter. That was a bad take by me. He made me look really bad. But since he has shifted from being a starter to being a reliever, the results have followed. So the splits are just are, are really astounding. As a starter, this year, he was running a 16% strikeout rate against a 9% walk rate. As a reliever, it's been 22% strikeout, 5.6% walk. We're looking at a 6.33 FIP as a starter and a 2.33 FIP as a reliever. Just amazing reversal of fortune for Johnny Brito between his starting tenure and his time as a reliever this year. So it just goes to show you, the Yankees will keep that bullpen stock with arms and I have no, I have no doubt that they're going to find more. They'll just keep finding guys that can do that really, really well, night in and night out. So I'm hopeful, I'm confident even that that'll continue. And the second quick thing I'll mention is that folks that have listened to this pod for a couple of years will remember that my um, sort of I, I used to moonlight as the pinstriped prospects minor league recap person. And I did that 2021 and 2022. Did not do it this year because I had too much else going on. But to put on my prospect analyst hat for a moment, the buzz around baseball this year has been that the Florida uh, Complex League Yankees had one of the most stacked rookie ball teams that scouts remembered, like in history. It was that good. And I am really excited to see some of those players start to work their way up to higher levels of the minors. Two that I'll point to in particular are who I hope will be the next two prototypes of Dellen Batances. And that is Henry Lalonde and Carlos Lagrange, two just enormous 20-year-old prospects. These guys are like six, seven, six, eight. They pump gas. And I uh, they have spent their entire career in rookie ball so far. I'm excited to see both of them take the next jump into full season ball. So not directly related to the fortune of the 2024 Yankees, but it will still be fun to track the rise of those guys. You know what's terrifying? Uh, Carlos Lagrange was born in 2003. 
<laughs> and Henry Lelane was born in 2004. Once you start seeing that, it's like, whoa. Um, and yes, if there's anything that I trust about the Yankees organization, it's their ability to develop pitching. Thank you, Matt Blake. Uh, so yes, I think the while the bullpen is a constant, and it's because of that, it's also like the pitching machine that the Yankees have going on has been awesome. And I guess we really learned this year how important that coaching is because Dylan Lawson clearly did something to break the Yankees as a as a hitting baseball team. So yeah, Yankees pitching machine. Big thing to look forward to next year. But I'm very excited to hear about what you're dreading. Yeah, it's it's not I don't have a ton of poetic to wax about this, but my overall dread about this team is about to pose the biggest rhetorical question ever. What is the path to get better quickly? Yeah, so this is definitely a, fun one. a longer podcast that we are going to have at some point um, where we play GM. But this is something, and th- I think this is why, you know, I guess I could speak for myself mostly, but why I've just been so apathetic about the team because it's like I actually don't really see a path towards just like wiping the season away and being really good next season. And I think, and I think it's, you know, similar to how you feel, Matt. It's like the pitching can be as good as it can. It's basically that the path I see to the Yankees being good is they just like win a crazy amount of their one and two run games and just like pitching carries them all season. And they get back to that recipe at the beginning of the season this year where it was like you're ho-humming your way to winning two out of three every single, every single series. But I, but yeah, I, I don't see a, a straight line to getting better. They'll have a little bit of room to spend, uh, but not a ton. And you're kind of just relying on guys getting healthier and one of the kids hitting. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're already going to be half a season without your most promising prospect who can actually yeah. contribute, has shown that he can contribute at the big league level. And I don't, I just don't see a lot of quick fixes. Otherwise, I also think I'm more bearish about the rotation than a lot of other people are. Cole's going to be great again for maybe one or two more years. Then his performance will start to dip. But next year, we can probably count on similar level of performance. Rodon is a huge question mark in my mind. Nestor is a huge question mark in my mind. We don't know how Michael King will hold up under a full year of a starter's workload. So it's like Cole and kind of a lot of question marks. And so the bullpen can be as great as it can be but if the lineup still looks like this and the rotation doesn't get a lot of good breaks you could be stuck with another season like this very easily i think it's more likely that you have another season like this than you have the team all of a sudden like win 100 games again and actually challenge for the pennant 100 percent. and it's not like there's any free agents out there that'll just like fix your team and they we sign cannot even, they're not gonna i don't want any yeah i don't i actually don't <laughs> want any part of otani I'm, yeah. you know, he eats up because I think with Otani now, a second Tommy John, he's going to want $400 million and he's not supposed to pitch until 25. Like, that's not, that's not great. I'm not excited about Shohei Otani anymore. Plus he's a DH. So yeah, there, there's no fixing this team in free agency. They, they cannot do the thing that they did after 2008 and just go out and buy every single free agent there is. I'm actually really excited about next year, to be honest with you. Like, I was happy that they brought the kids up. I was happy they gave them, they're giving them at bats because at least it gives them a chance to see what they are. 
And, you know, I'm okay with having a potentially mediocre season where they're 500 or a notch below. If it means that some of these kids like Everson Pereira are getting a chance to play at Oswald Peraza and they're they're having productive early stages of their careers. Like we look like like Matt just said, and we'll have a, a longer pot about this. You point toward teams like the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros that built franchises and built organizations that are sustainably successful. You know, that'll be something that we're going to talk about later on. But I yeah. give these kids a chance. Not everything has to be purchased. Give the kids a chance. I just wish the kids were a little better this year. Everson Pereira has a 25 WRC plus. Oswald Peraza has a 50 WRC plus. Yeah. Uh, Austin Wells has been fine. So like, yeah, give the kids a chance. But boy, I would love to see them be good. But I think the Braves kind of mess up. Ever has have really had an impact on everyone's understanding of how prospects actually work. Which is, it's really hard to go from the minors and then be Michael Harris in the majors. And and I think we kind of lost that a little bit. And yeah, these guys are probably going to be bad for a while and that's okay. And they need to figure it out. I think it's more likely this team is just exactly what they were this year, next year than any sort of miraculous turnaround. So agreed, Matt. I don't, I don't really see a path towards getting back to it. No, I, nobody thought that they tapped out in 2017. Like they won't get any better than then, but the bottom just fell out. Unfortunately, talked a lot about how it is. It is. It really never ceases to astound me that 2017 was the high water mark for this group. That's crazy. I mean, it really is. It's crazy, but also in hindsight, like it kind of makes sense. And we were sort of having that discussion a little bit, where it's like, oh, okay, you could kind of see where this ship was going when they made that Stanton trade. Because that's like a trade where it's like, okay, we got this guy to help us win a championship. It's going to happen in the next four years. They also signed Garrett Cole, which is, hey, we signed this guy to win a championship and it's got to happen in the next three years. So the immediate window was there. And again, we've spoken about this for so long. It's possible that window just closed and we need to accept some sort of a new reality of the Yankees, which is like try to be fun, but probably just be bad and see where it goes. I don't know. It's going to be a weird offseason. We'll see how quiet it's going to be. I guess one last thing, maybe leave us on a positive note, is that a bunch of reports about uh, the Yankees being interested in Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who is another or the next big Japanese pitcher. Uh, He has like five straight seasons of sub two ERA pitching. Brian Cashman was at his game recently. So there's a lot of supposed interest going on. And if we want to talk about uncertainty around the rotation, that is something that would help. And the Yankees are going to have probably they're probably going to be about 40 million under the luxury tax come the offseason. So I wouldn't mind seeing them spend it here because, you know, as as, a, as fans, it would be fun. It'd be something to look forward to, because right now there's not a ton to look forward to going into next season. That would That would be fun. I mean, that is, you know, maybe the one option on the free agent market that could help the team immediately come next season. But then again, was that the, uh, was that the no hitter that Cashman was at too? Yeah. Like I pitched a no yeah. hitter that day. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's a sign that it was meant to be, but we'll see what happens. I think we're going to set up a much more in depth, like what do the Yankees do this off season, off season episode sometime here in the next few weeks. But today we really needed to just kind of like regroup on the last month. Cause it had been a while. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm just, I think there's just so much apathy around the team that all you can do is continue to like diagnose the problems to the best of your ability. But we're already doing that for so long. So it's like, we're just going to keep, keep trying to figure out what's really going wrong here. But we're much able, like we the were Giants. able to get some silver linings. Yeah, exactly. We were able to get some silver linings. A lot of times this season we've, we've recorded during the course of a Yankees game and right now they're doing okay. You were missed to say that Garrett Cole is top of the eighth and the Yanks are up five zip. So there's oh. some silver linings toward Garrett Cole's probable Cy Young uh, victory this year. I, I wouldn't even call it probable at this point. It's guaranteed. Yep. He he cemented it with that pitching performance. Like Garrett Cole won Cy Young tonight. I know the, the Vegas odds going into tonight were like something like minus 2,000 or something. Something ridiculous. So it's uh, a mortal lock as the, as the kids like to say. But yeah, thank you. For listening, please make sure you turn on notifications so you don't miss another podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Pinstripe Purse. Uh, we might just have to start a break-off NBA NFL podcast because who likes to talk about this Yankees team so much when you can talk about all the other great New York sports teams? Um, we'll have this episode about kind of the Yankees offseason plans coming up here as the season comes to an end. I guess all we can do is enjoy the last eight games. And honestly, I'm pretty excited for uh, the chance to watch playoff baseball with zero stress. That'll be a new activity. Um, go Orioles. Yeah, go O's. And honestly, go you know, I hate I hate this might be blasphemous. But since the Yankees aren't in the playoffs, if there's a year for the Rays to like finally do it, just let it be this no, year. No, no. Ugh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, I tried, I tried. You got booed on your own podcast. That's amazing. It is what it is. Probably the not the first creatures time. are here on the pod. And won't be the last. But yeah, without further ado, thank you all for listening. And go Yanks.